0: Welcome to Food Freedom Radio, I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, and a person living in a complex time. Um, In a typical year, I would be so cherishing these last days of summer, especially the Minnesota State Fair. Um, And despite all the turmoil and the unveiled trauma and the felt disorientation, I am deeply grateful for this beautiful moment that you and I now are sharing. Um, on today's show, we're going to be talking about all things Minnesota State Fair, and we will experience our own mini visit to the Minnesota State Horticulture Business, uh, building at the, at the Minnesota State Fair. Uh, for the last couple of years, Food Freedom Radio has been, um, in the Minnesota Eats Common Table exhibit. And so um, when I was at the state fair, I asked people for their legacy good food recipes. Um, and later in the show, I'm going to be playing some of those clips from previous um, state fairs. But joining me now is someone whose organization has been at every single Minnesota state fair, including the very first one. Diane Duval with the Minnesota State Horticulture Society. Welcome to Food Freedom Radio, Diane.
1: Hi, Laura. We're glad to be here. Thanks for having the Hort Society on the show.
0: Well, that is... Uh, thank you. So, at the very first Minnesota State Fair?
1: Yes, we were. In 1866, um, the Minnesota Fruit Growers Association was formed, and they presented 20 new varieties of Minnesota-grown apples on display.
0: 20 new varieties. And why was that in... So, tell us a little bit about those early, early days of the Minnesota Horticulture Society. Yeah,
1: sure. So, the Minnesota, Minnesota Fruit Growers Association was formed... Um, because they were responding to um, New York journalist Horace Greeley, Greeley's comment say, saying that he would never live in Minnesota because you cannot grow apples there. And they were determined to take on the challenge of proving him wrong. And so they banded together and organized and formed the Minnesota Fruit Growers Association, which later became the Hort Society, and um, developed 20 new varieties of Minnesota apples and then had them on display at the first fair.
0: Wow. That, I mean, so what are you thinking about this year with no fair?
1: I'm bummed about the fair. I think I'm like all Minnesotans. Um, I, I I consider it part of my end of summer experience. And at the Horde Society, since we've been displaying there every year um, for the last 154 years, um, we're really bummed about not seeing our members come out to the booth and renew their membership and buy their, their um, corny garden t-shirts, and their garden tools, and, and seeing our educational display. It's a wonderful opportunity for us to get out there in the community.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, you know, it is the great Minnesota get-together, and we all get to buy with a little help from our friends and this whole idea of being able to get together and um, learn and eat bad food and just, <laughs> I mean, just feel the whole vibes of the, the state fair. I mean, it is, it, is, um, it's, it, it, it does feel like um, I'm missing something this year. I do
1: too. I do, I really do, um, and, and not just because of the Hort Society, but just having that whole um, fair experience and all the businesses that display there and, of course, all of the growers um, who are putting their wares on display um, in the Hort building, including the, the newest and the latest apple introduction last year. I think it was First Kiss, and everybody's going out there to taste that. So I'm really going to miss that this year.
0: And the beautiful flower displays? <clears throat>
1: Right. So um, in the rotunda, um, there's always um, a beautiful display put on by local growers and garden centers um, and florists um, to delight audiences. And then um, around the rotunda, we have flower shows that go on, everything from dahlias um, and to uh, lilies and things like that. And the Hort Society has a flower show competition every year. Um, so we give um, gardeners and floral designers and growers, an opportunity, amateur people to come out and put their their um, product on display and um, be judged and exhibited and win prizes. So it's it's part of the fair experience for us it, as well. It is, so and I, I, I even
0: remember my my mother in law won some ribbons at the Minnesota State Fair for her flowers, and she talked about it all the time. I mean, it's a it's a real um, it's like in a community acknowledgement um, of, of, of one's. Uh, I mean, there's just something. Um, Beautiful about that.
1: It really is. It really is. And um, um, some people spend their entire lives preparing for this kind of competition and then the entire season growing that that perfect bud to put on display. And um, and then audiences who are visiting the fair, of course, have the opportunity to see all these beautiful flowers. Um, So we're going to miss that. This year the Hort Society is um, creating a virtual experience, sort of a virtual visit to our booth um, to renew and join um, membership and buy your, your, your corny um, garden pun t shirt and your latest garden tool. And we're having a photo competition, a garden photo competition, which people can find out about by visiting our website.
0: So tell us more about the photo competition.
1: Um, well, you visit www.minhort.org and let me just take a look here on our website.
0: Uh, and I'm going to brought in right now because people, uh, there are some other p- virtual stuff going on at the Minnesota State Fair. So you can go to the Minnesota State Fair's um, regular website and they're doing um, some virtual, um, like the seed art, which apparently has been really popular this year. So people have been making their little um, things with sea art. Seed, seed art. And so you can go online to the Minnesota State Fair's main website, and they do have other ways to experience the state fair?
1: We do. Um, we do have our our punny T-shirts on sale, and this is all raising funds for the Horde Society. Um, we are participating in the It's Not Fair, which is state fair bundles this year. Um, we have um, also ball uh, fundraiser going on right now um, to help raise money for the Horde Society. And, of course, since we've been exhibiting there for 154 years, we're also um, we've also created a webpage um, about the history of the Hort Society at the fair and encouraging people to support us.
0: Cool. You know, I think um, th- this is just feeling kind of heavy, so I think I need to have a little bit of sound from last year's fair. Um, so, Patrick, can you play that first clip? And this is from uh, the Common Table Exhibits at the Minnesota Eats. Um, we were in the Horticulture Building.
2: Ring, 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 phone. <laughs> ping, ping pong, ping pong,
1: ping pong. So appealing, that we should get together and sing. Sing! Restaurants that also buy
2: local, you're helping support those farms. So sort of the keep connecting um, to possible ways that we can keep um, promoting a healthy environment. We are here talking about
0: pollinator-friendly solar. That means solar panels... And underneath, you have
1: high-quality habitat, plants flowering, um, habitat for
2: birds, bees, and also for monarch butterflies and other fancy wildlife. Watermelon wine. Can you see it? All right, we've got a winner.
0: So again, that's uh, it's just some sound I recorded from uh, the last couple of years. Food Film Radio has been in that horticulture building, and just just the flavor of that. Um, well, wow, thank you for sharing that. That was awesome. It took me right back. I know <laughs> it did. It did sort of make it feel. And, and you know, I think even in especially in tougher times. I mean, even though I was like, "Oh darn, we don't get to do a state fair and everything's," <laughs> uh, right. it, I, every day is precious, and and so we we take what the 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 situation that. Presents itself, and we march forward, and uh, and I, um, um, and so. Tell me about your exhibit at the State Fair at Food
1: Freedom Radio. Well,
0: so when Food Freedom Radio was there, um, we were interactive, and we actually had a partnership with the State Fair, and so uh, we were just talk to people, and you'll hear that in uh, the third segment. I'm going to be playing some recipes that um, I did. Um, oh, just, awesome. as I, I just as people walked by, we had a little table, and, you know, tell me your favorite lazy, good food way of cooking. And one of the reasons I did that is because um, cooking, um, sometimes it can seem so complicated in difficult. Um, And, you know, some like, for instance, one person told me, uh, when it comes to ramen noodle, just add an egg as you cook it. Right. You know, and, (laughs) um, you know, making cooking fun and lazy and, and good for you at the same time.
1: Right. And isn't everybody so interested in kind of pursuing that right now, especially when we were all under quarantine, everyone was starting to bake bread and looking for new recipes. And right now is the best time of the year to be harvesting from your garden and and cooking with fresh produce, which we encourage at the Hort Society. And we have an entire list of recipes on our resource hub, too, for people to draw from, and they're free for anybody.
0: Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about those recipes that might be on there.
1: Okay, let's take a look. Well, they're, they're coming from the staff and um, also from – let's go to the resource hub here – Um, And basically anything that you want to prepare and cook from your garden, that includes preparing um, and preserving foods or fresh recipes like salads from from produce from your garden. Um, And um, we continue to add to that along the way. And we also have classes and webinars um, that show you how to do these things as well. So if you don't know how and you can't do it from the recipe, you can always take a look at some of those webinars to check it out.
0: And while you're looking for a recipe, one of my uh, favorite ones for kids, because they can do this even in the microwave, is just take a zucchini and slice it thin. um, Add a scoop of um, uh, spaghetti sauce and top it with cheese and put it in the microwave for a minute. Yum. I know. It's like a minute, and kids will eat that. And, you know, it's great. So what what are some of those recipes you guys recommend at this time of year? Well, actually,
1: I'm just thinking about tomatoes right now, because don't we all have an abundance of those? I know. Tomatoes have been
0: fantastic this year.
1: Right, and this is one I think that was submitted by our own staff person, Courtney Cheetah. Um, it's called Cherry Tomato Vanilla Bean Preserves. Mm. Um, sugar, powdered pectin, red cherry tomatoes, vanilla bean, and lemon juice. Um, and I'm happy to share the link um, with your readers or with your listeners so they can cook this themselves. But its I've actually tried it, and it is delicious.
0: And I've got tomatoes in my kitchen. So and so you can prepare that and then keep it for a while. That's right. Because that said how to make the summer last longer and longer. Yeah,
1: yeah. It, it says, you know, it fills two 8-ounce jars, and so you could um, refrigerate it to preserve it for the winter. Or you could preserve it. You can can it, too.
0: Can it? And then what a wonderful holiday gift, you know, All trying right, exactly. to give away some away some of the summer. So I definitely want to get that recipe. We can put it out. We're going to be um, taking a break. And then when we come back, the next section, we're going to review the history of the Minnesota State Fair. Um, we're going to talk about the Victory Gardens and the World Fair and the flower shows and the movement towards local. Um, you're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. With us is Diane Duval with the Minnesota State Horticulture Society. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plan to nourish the seeds of change. I'm Laura Hedlund, and joining us on the phone is Diane Duval with the Minnesota State Horticulture Society. And the Minnesota State Horticulture Society has an emphasis on food justice. So, what does that mean, Diane?
1: Um, food justice is about Food Justice at the Horde Society is about um, access to fresh, healthy food through the activity of gardening. And we do that in in several ways, but one way is through our Minnesota Green Program, which provides all the tools and plants and seeds um, for community gardeners who are growing food in common spaces. And they're sharing that food with their neighbors, and they're also donating that food to food shelves for those Minnesotans who are hungry. And we also have a Garden in a Box program, which provides all the necessary ingredients, the box, the soil, the plants, and educational tools and resources to underserved communities, to kids and families, through community partners to teach these kids how to grow and grow their own food and introduces them to nutrition concepts. And they're able to harvest that food, so they have um, garden-to-kitchen programs um, and um, and, and it really is transforming lives and introducing them as well to the idea that they have a right to have access to fresh
0: food. Well, and we know that um, eating fruits and vegetables are so much better for human health. They and are. for way too many people, the fruits and vegetables are too expensive, which is part of a very insane system. Right. Um, and there's a lot of good research out there that if kids grow their own grow vegetables, they are far, far more likely to eat vegetables.
1: That's right, they are, and I think people who learn to do this in their youth, and a lot of our members will say this, they learn to garden and grow food when they were young from their parents. Um, these kids don't have access to that family to teach them how, and so they are um, learning that now and at that formative age. And um, I think, too, it's not just about growing food, it's in anticipation about the health, nutrition aspects of growing food, but also about the whole person that we're addressing. So our community partners are working with kids, say, um, who are dealing with mental health or emotional issues, they're, and they're really struggling, and they talk about the transformative aspect of this program. The kids run to get out into the garden, and and they're different in the garden. They're more social, and, and they come out of their shell. So it's really, really important for them to get outside, connect with nature, and and get connected to healthy food.
0: And I know you're going to have a webinar coming up on Nature Heals, and I know that there is tremendous um, well-grounded research on the mental health benefits of being in nature, especially right. for kids.
1: Absolutely. And for all of us to be out in nature, it's so important um, to do that. And I, and I think um, we talked about, I think, a little bit, you and I, about blue zones and those blue zones where people are living longer, healthier lives. And that's certainly true among our members who are gardening. They tend to be fit, and they tend to live longer, and they tend to be well-rounded in their emotional outlook. And I think that has, happens because they're gardening in so many ways.
0: And everything in life is complex, but it's also intricate. And I, I do think as animals, we are attached to the natural world. Um, water is life, and, and, and that's how we lived for um, most of our existence. And so having a reciprocal relationship with nature is what makes us come alive.
1: Right. Oh, I think that reciprocity is such an important word when we talk about planting and growing. Mm-hmm. And that's what environmental sustainability is all about. I mean, it's sort of recognizing our power as humans when we plant a garden and that we're planting with the idea um, of, of a future without compromising the future, right? And understanding that, that when we grow that garden, that it is not just for humans, it's also providing for other creatures, especially some of our smallest mightiest creatures like bees and butterflies
2: and pollen. Right.
0: I mean, the benefits are tremendous. And I know um, for a long time I've gardened at St. Martha's Mary's uh, Garden um, since 2008, and now that's part of um, the open door pantry. Um, and so the produce there goes to the food pantry. And um, um, But early in the year, um, we were doing a collection that Minnesota State Horticulture Society was a partner in to distribute plants to the community gardens, which right. is a very vital function.
1: Right, and that's Minnesota Green, and that's been around since 1988 and um, continues to grow as we um, um, donate these plants and seeds and tools that come from our discount partners in local industry, um, garden centers and nurseries, who are very generous. And it's also diverting it from compost bins, too, so we're not wasting anything. We don't want to be wasteful, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so um, so uh, food justice and environmental justice, those two are linked.
1: I think that they are. I don't think you can address one without the other. If we want a sustainable future, then we also um, need to recognize that, that I mean, it's a sort of intrinsically understood in food justice um, that we need to provide for everyone. And in order to do that, we need to be mindful of, of what we're planting and how we're treating the earth
0: and we all do better when we all do better. That's right. That's right. And it's actually uh, it, the world is quite abundant. And in these times of chaos and it's like um it almost seems like most people think I'm just not going to have enough, it's not going to be enough. Ooh, yeah. you know be be afraid, be afraid. Ooh, and 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 people are really experiencing this, but if if we could ground ourselves and and just really um it be in awe of the abundance of nature, um I I think it just would propel that much better world we're all craving.
1: I think so. I agree with you wholeheartedly.
0: Yeah. So uh, tell us some of the other um, stuff going on at the Minnesota um, Horticulture Society. Well, we
1: are also the publishers of Northern Gardener Magazine, which has um, been published for over a century. And that's a really great resource for gardeners if you're learning how to grow. The magazine is um, edited exclusively for um, co-climate gardening, and it's chock full of of upcoming events and resources, and what's going on at the Hort Society right now. So that's part of your membership benefit if you join um, the Hort Society, or you can be a subscriber.
0: And so, tell us about joining the um, Horticulture Society, and uh, what's the cost, and if, it, if there's an AM nine fifty discount.
1: There's an AM nine fifty discount for your um, for your listeners um, with promo code AM nine fifty. It's fifteen dollars off membership. Membership is sixty two dollars. And you get six issues of Northern Gardener magazine. You get discounts on classes and events. Um, you get two free tickets to the Home and Garden Show. We hope we'll be back next year, <laughs> um, which, um, which may or may not happen. Um, and then um, you also um, get discounts um, at local garden centers and nurseries. We love to support our local businesses, and we want to save you money, too.
0: Uh- and I just, what does it take for an organization to stay in business for over 150 years?
1: <laughs> we have been, I know, right, 154 years. We have such deep roots in the state of Minnesota. And we have a very strong um, member supporter base of over 9,000 members um, who help us out and support us. And I think it's really about having a passion for growing and also about those important partnerships with our industry partners and educators and um, and people who are um, interested in, in gardening and growing,
0: and um, also um, a shared commitments. So shared commitments to the rusty patch bee.
1: Right. Exactly. Um, we do care about our pollinators, so we encourage people to get out there and plant a pollinator garden and be kind to our tiniest creatures.
0: Yeah, and you have a lot of information about uh, native plants and uh, everything from how to what to do. How do you know a melon is ripe? Um, and um, how to make a plant uh, love you book review. I mean, you have a lot on your website. So, again, we, I'm sorry, yeah, Diane. Yeah,
1: yeah, we do. Um, we, have, we started developing a resource hub about, um, about a year ago, and we continue to grow this. And this is meant to provide all the educational tools and resources that you need to grow as a gardener and connect you to the greening and gardening community. And it's available to anyone. We want it to be accessible.
0: Okay, so we're going to take another break, and when we come back, we're going to share some um, uh, clips from previous Minnesota State Fairs with people talking about their favorite lazy good food recipes. Um, And with us with us over the phone is uh, Diane Duval with the Minnesota State Horticulture Society. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio. Food Freedom Radio, where we plant and nurse the seeds of change. I'm Laura Headline, and joining us via phone is Diane Duval with the Minnesota State Horticulture Society. We're all missing the state fair. At least I'm missing the state fair. Probably not everyone's missing the state fair, but I certainly am. And uh, the last couple of years, um, Food Freedom Radio has been in the horticulture building. And what we did is we asked people for their recipe ideas. And um, so I'm going to play a clip here um, uh, from the last year's state fair.
2: About soup. Soup is a wonderful thing. It's like baking. It shows love and affection. It's it's nurturing. Well, one day when my husband and I had a restaurant, and he was so crabby, he was going off to the bank. And he was running the dining room, and I was cooking in the kitchen. And so the break came after lunch, and he says, Well, he said, We're out of soap, You better make some soap, And out the door he went. So I go to the walk-in cooler, and there's nothing there to make any soap from except a bunch of pans of uh, mashed potatoes. And we made real mashed potatoes. But I had like two big pans of mashed potatoes from the day before, and from that day that we hadn't sold out with our hot turkey plates. So I thought, okay. So I went in the kitchen and I made a big, a big roux with some cream sauce, and then I took and I put the mashed potatoes in there, and then I fried up some bacon with drippings and crumbled it up, and I threw that into the soup, and some sautéed onions, and I threw that into the soup, and then I got some. Uh, uh, smoky ham base you can get, and I put in a couple of tablespoons of that, and I got this big pot of soup. So I go into the bar and I write on the white on the board, you know, because we told everybody what the soup was. I said, "Creamy lumpy smoky mashed potato <laughs> soup." <Nice. clears throat> so my crabby husband comes back from the bank. <laughs> he goes in, he puts a change in the cash register, and he turns around and he sees this sign. Well, he's not a very patient man. He comes flying into the kitchen and he says, what in the hell is the matter with you? And I said, what are you talking about? He said, who do you think is going to buy smoky lumpy soup? And I said, well, that's all we had. And I made soup with what we had. So anyway, that night we sold out, and the next day I made another batch, and it became one of our most popular. All soup. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> creamy, lumpy, smoky mashed potatoes. Soup. That's beautiful.
0: Yeah, that was kind of a fun story. And again, just just give us a little Minnesota State Fair Fix that's up and recorded last year. And it was so beautiful because there's just people sitting around the table. And um, um, I, I think I had the, I think I was just sharing that, but we just had that conversation. But there was obviously people of a lot of differences and we're just sharing and food made us kind of come together. And, um, and we all think sometimes the husbands can be a little crabby. So I think that made it extra funny. So, Diane, what did you think of that?
1: I love that. that. That was hilarious. Thank you for sharing that. And I think food does bring us together. But when I think of cooking at this time of the year, I think of watermelon and those mm. dog days of August and, and something cool. So mm-hmm. I'd love to share a, a recipe with your listeners for watermelon basil ice cream, if you'd like to know.
0: Watermelon basil ice cream. I'm going to say no to that. <laughs> okay, water basil ice cream. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh,
1: yeah, so uh, five cups of juicy watermelon. One fourth cup of fresh basil, one can of organic coconut milk, Hmm. two tablespoons of maple syrup, and a pinch of salt. And you just combine all those ingredients in a blender and freeze in a cake pan. And one hour, you're ready to taste it.
0: Wow, that sounds really good. Do you want to repeat that one more time? And that's because it was uh, that is that just sounds fantastic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Five cups of juicy watermelon, one fourth cup of fresh basil one can of organic coconut milk, two tablespoons of maple syrup, and a pinch of salt. And if you've got a blender, just put all those ingredients in there, blend it together, and then freeze it in a cake pan. And after about an hour, it's ready ready to eat.
0: Wow, I'm going to have to go home and try that one. That, that one sounds fantastic. I'm going to play a couple more clips uh, from other people sharing their recipes at uh, the Minnesota State Fair
2: last year. Awesome. How do you cook eggs? Okay, well, the best way to hard-boiled eggs is not hard, not boil them at all. Um, bring uh, about an inch of water up to a boil. You're actually going to steam the eggs. Bring an inch of water up to a boil. If you got a steamer basket, that's great. Otherwise, even crumpled up aluminum foil. Put your eggs in the pan, cover it. If you took them out of the refrigerator, you want to go 13 to 14 minutes. If they're room temperature, you want to go 12 to 13 minutes. Shut them off. Then you want to shock them in ice water, break up the shells right away, get them in the ice water, and they will peel so easy you will not believe it. it. doesn't matter if it's a fresh egg, a stale egg, a day-old egg, you will get perfectly peeled eggs and perfectly yellow yolks with no green oxidation from boiling them too long.
0: And Yeah, that's a wonderful simple tip for how to cook eggs. And this, this next one, I think, is how to do some desserts. What is the one thing you cook? I cook puppy chow. <laughs> it's my favorite thing. What is it? It's a uh, crispix cereal with chocolate and peanut butter melted together, and you pour it on the crispix, and then after
2: that's mixed, you put powdered sugar on it, and then shake the bowl, and then voila, you got puppy chow. Uh,
1: dessert one: you buy an angel food cake and you slice it in half twice horizontally. Then you spread orange sugars on one layer, and on the next layer, vanilla ice cream, and then you frost it with whipped cream and put it in the freezer. That's it. All right. Uh, um, This is another tortilla uh, recipe, but it's very simple, and it's a dessert. Very easy, Uh, brown tortilla on both sides in a fry pan. Uh, Spread a little bit of honey. Uh, sprinkle a little bit of cinnamon, and um, you're done. Pretty well done.
0: I love that. Those are so simple and and fun, aren't they?
1: They are so much fun, and I was just thinking as I was listening to that, do you guys have a cookbook? I mean, you must get a 1,000 recipe suggestions while you're exhibiting at the fair.
0: You know, that would be a great idea to actually do a, a lazy good food cookbook. Yeah, and um, you could
1: raise some money for Food Freedom.
0: You know, uh, thank you. I should do that, and that—that um, <laughs> that sounds like a wonderful idea. And I think I might even share this because I, I would love to raise money for AM nine fifty. And also, um, I have way too many plants right now. Um, we what? planted raspberries like thirty years ago, and these are um, traditional organic, uh, traditional raspberries that we know. They were planted like 50, 60 years ago. So raspberries are fantastic, but they do spread, and I have to get rid of a ton of, ton of raspberries. So I thought I could do um, a, deliver, a home-delivered raspberry patch. And, mm. yeah, so I will go to someone's house in the Twin Cities. I can only do it to five houses. Right. The cost would be $100. $50 would go to AM950, and $50 goes to replace the dirt in my yard <laughs> and pay for my gas. <laughs> and if you want us to plant it, it will be another 25 bucks, but. So for $100 um you get a raspberry patch and then we'll have a minimum of 10 to 15 raspberry bushes. I think you um,
1: have some takers
0: on that. I think I might. I think I might. Um so and someone can reach out to me at Laura at AM 950 radio if they're interested in that. Um also I've got just a ton a ton of aloe vera and jade plants and some other plants we just have to deplant the house. Um one of the things is I you know I feel like uh even uh, that that all plants are their life forms, you know. So I Right. I don't want to just waste or throw away anything because it's it's a it's a life form. Um, so now, and how can people be um, um, connect with the and support the Minnesota State Horticulture Society at this well, time? Well,
1: Join the Hort Society, and if you're trying to grow as a gardener or you're just starting out, a membership of the Hort Society will provide you with all the educational tools and resources you need to grow as a gardener. And you're also supporting our outreach, Minnesota Green and Garden a Box, and helping fund our webinars, which provide education to. Everyone in the community.
0: And then you have a couple things going on as far as the state fair. One is it's not fair, Mncom
1: Right, right. So these are state fair bundles. It's not fair um, because it isn't fair that the state fair isn't going on, and people like to go out. So our popular T-shirts for plant lovers are bundled with goods from talented local artists and shipped directly to you. You just visit www.itsnotfair.com min.com and you can place your order. You're supporting people who are exhibiting at the fair, and you're also supporting the Horde Society. Our faves personally are Babe the Blue Box and the Midwest Gear Package. So there's super fun fair packages. A great way to support vendors and the Horde Society, and um, get your get your fair on. Right.
0: Right. And there's some other things you have about the Minnesota State Fair on your website. Uh, the 154.
1: The 154 Campaign is honoring our rich history of exhibiting for the last 154 years. We've been there since the very beginning, and when you donate, those dollars go um, directly into our programs for outreach. And in addition to the um, supporting the Hort Society, you also get a free showing of, of Five Seasons, which is a, a much-loved film about acclaimed landscape designer Pete Udolf Um, So that's really exciting. It's a total perk we want to offer people who are joining and renewing or donating to the 154 campaign. And it doesn't have to be $154. We encourage that. But every dollar matters. Any donation is important to the Horde Society. And, of course, we're selling our punny T-shirts, so sassy T-shirts, um, and you can get those um, again by visiting our website at www.menhart.org.
0: And since you've been at the State Fair for all well, one hundred and fifty-four years, I'm love to just talk briefly about the history, you know, of the Minnesota State Fair. So, well, yeah, go ahead. Oh, talk about those first few years.
1: Well, the first few years. Uh, the first year was an exhibit by the Minnesota Fruit Growers Association. I think I mentioned that earlier, and. Um, The State Fair um, was their first exhibit, and they were presenting their 20 varieties of apples, um, sort of showing their wares and what could be produced in the cold climate. And um, every year we've been exhibiting there, I think, uh, an important um, milestone for the Hort Society was also the Second World War, where we were promoting um, victory gardens um, um, around the state of Minnesota, but also at the fair, encouraging people to grow locally and grow their own produce. Um, And um, so every year we have our booth, we have our our membership drive, and um, we have um, an educational exhibit from everything from growing in containers to um, garden to to glass, sort of a cocktail exhibit, whatever you like. Um, We're out there to educate and inform gardeners and encourage them to garden and provide them with the tools they need.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the Victory Garden Movement in um, that occurred in World War II. Um, well,
1: I think we um, were encouraging people to, I and mean, this was a nationwide effort, and, and the Horde Society was um, joining in on the movement and trying to be a part of it. Um, I think that um, uh, people, um, I don't know about you, but my grandparents always had a garden in their backyard, mm-hmm. and then before that they were farmers. and. And I think some people had gotten away from growing their own food, and, and there was a shortage. So we were encouraging people to plant gardens and showing them how.
0: Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, most definitely, that I know my, my grandfather had a, like a little extra lot that he got just for, just so he could plant his corn. Um, and, um, and, and, and so this, this but, but also I think with those victory gardens, there was really a sense of unity in, yes. in a crisis yes. time.
1: Absolutely. Um, I think it really brought people together, and that's really important, especially during difficult times. Gardening has a tendency to do that.
0: It does, and and I know. Um, I mean, even I, I think that the news has just been too much for me. Even, and I'm I'm sort of genetically optimistic, um, but um, um, but in these times, it really I I, I really want to feel that same sense of community, the same sense that we are all in this together. Because guess what, we're all in it together. <laughs>
1: I love that. I love your attitude
0: about that. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's make it a better life. So you're listening to Food Freedom Radio. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and we'll talk more with the Minnesota State Horticulture Society.
2: Hey Jude, don't make it bad. Take a sad song and make
0: This is a time for us to all take our sad songs and make it bad, better. Um, So much trauma is being unveiled and so much chaos and so much, almost we're a loss of a, uh, so much disorientation. Um, So you're listening now to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund and joining us by phone is Diane Duvall and that's with the Minnesota State Horticulture Society. So, Diane, how is the Horticulture Society doing in these, in these times?
1: Well, we're actually doing quite well. We have 150-year history, as I mentioned earlier, in the state of Minnesota. We have deep roots and a strong member base. Um, and we were really poised to tackle um, the, the pandemic, too. Staff are working from home, but we already had these online resources available to our members in the gardening community, our resource hub, um, digital cards for our members, um, and and um, and, and, again, a great supporters. Um, so we're ready to tackle and excited about um, food justice and environmental sustainability and helping gardeners grow. There's so many great opportunities right now also to diversify and grow our membership. So that's something that we're tackling. And, and we just hired a, a new executive director, Rick Juliuson, who's going to take us off in this direction. He's got a lot of expertise to share with the Hort Society and with our, our growing community.
0: Right. So he was uh, the director of the uh, Friends School in St. Yes. Paul. And of course, the Friends has did the legendary uh, Friends plant sale, which had to be canceled this year, which was also at the state fair.
1: Major bummer. Did you go to the Friends School plant
0: sale every year yourself? Oh my gosh, yes. So we got, um, I, I, I have a peach tree. <laughs> Most people are really surprised. You have peaches in Minnesota, but yeah, we have a peach tree. Um, yeah, and uh, um, talk a little bit about res- reciprocity with nature. When that freeze came, that Mother Day, um, there was a, a, a freeze on Mother's Day this year, so we had to go and cover the peach tree. But then it did provide us with fruit, so we got our peach tree from the friend cell. We have um, hazelnuts from the friend cell. We have honey bush berries from the sen, sen cell, bramble bush berries, choke uh-huh. cherries. Um, you know, we've we've just every year we went there and added one thing to our yard, and it is it is wonderful. I mean, it's it's amazing, and especially in these times. I mean, we just so much appreciate the living world. And, right. A-
1: absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And the Friends School Plant Sale is a huge, huge event for for anyone who's interested in buying plants. They they have this big sale to raise money for the school, um, but they also are great too about partnering with the Hort Society and our community gardeners by donating any excess plants they have left over after the sale, if they have anything left over for our community gardeners. So we really appreciate the Friends School.
0: Well, and the one thing about community gardens, because community gardens make um, this garden accessible to all people.
1: Right, right. And, and um, bringing people together. Um, we talked about togetherness and the importance of that and, and um, also helping people grow locally, which is more sustainable. And, um, again, I think I talked earlier a little bit about how, these, how generous these community gardeners are, they're not just growing produce for themselves in common spaces in green spaces, but they're also sharing that with their neighbors and donating it to food shelves for hungry Minnesotans. So this is really important that we continue to drive that movement and support it.
0: Yeah, I remember another person, Peace Bubbles, who was at the State Fair, and just um, and uh, Michael Cheney. Uh, so many people um, at the State Fair um, and, and with this um, shared vision of us living um, in reciprocity with each other and reciprocity with the natural world.
1: And you grew up as a gardener,
0: right? No, I did not. I did not grow up as a gardener at all. My my grandfather did, um, but it kind of skipped a generation, which I actually think is almost mirrored in the history, but I did not. My gardening introduction was in 2008 when that last, uh, when when it was the major recession. I was actually afraid, oh, where could I get food? And it was that fear that drew me to create a community garden. And uh, so... um, what fell into a meeting, and um so one person and i um, we started a community garden, and it was really hard. I mean, we didn't have i mean the we didn't we didn't know you know, so that's why an organization like the Minnesota State Horticulture, where you can do some garden mentoring is really important because um it it can be tough to start it from uh, by yourself, and it's nothing you have to do by yourself.
1: Oh well, absolutely, if you didn't get introduced to gardening or community gardening um, growing up by someone who is mentoring you it can seem really daunting and it's actually possible to do this and starting a garden is actually not that difficult sometimes you just need somebody to tell you how and so we aim to provide those resources Mm -hmm. and also the plants too um, because that's costly for people to be able to grow.
0: Right. And I know there's a book out there, and I, I'm not going to remember exactly, but this, this tomato cost me 50 bucks or something like that. You know? <laughs> I mean, because it can seem that way if you go to the store. And I think we were that way, too, when it first started. It's like, wait a second, then you get this and this and this. And um, But there are um, – and, and that's why um, – uh, tell us a little bit about the Garden in the Box programs and the how that works. Garden in the works. Box
1: teaches um, um, low-income um, or underserved communities, underserved families and kids. Um, how to grow their own food. And it provides them with all of the ingredients they need. It's the box, it's the soil, it's the plants, um, compost, and fencing, and everything else, including the educational um, resources they need and mentoring. And so um, this program was launched in 2008. It continues to grow. Um, It continued to thrive during um, the pandemic. Um, And we work with community partners like schools and um, community centers, um, daycare centers, assisted living facilities, um, to make um, gardening and growing food accessible.
0: Yeah, I know my, my friend works at a daycare center and just loves to care for the garden there, and the kids just light up. I mean, it's it's uh, it's, right. it's, it's so they sweet. Do.
1: It really does transform them, and I think I talked earlier a little bit about how it it just addresses the whole person. It's not just about learning to garden and grow food, but many of these kids um, families have have never grown a garden before. They've never seen a tomato growing on the vine. And so it's sort of introducing them to the idea that they have a right to have access, and this is so healthy.
0: And I think it's a source of calm, and especially in term, in, in these times, the, the ability to calm down and totally connect is just so vital. And if we could do that more often, this frantic Absolutely. pace that we have, especially maybe it's contributing the, the technology and the games and Um, all of that probably contributes to this frenetic um, anxiety.
1: Absolutely, and I think I said this earlier. I'm not sure if I shared this with you, but when we go out um, to these garden and box sites and we talk to the program coordinators about these kids, um, they say that these kids are running out into the garden, and it really, they change when they're in the garden. They open up. um, They are more social. Um, they take ownership of it, so they 're not just growing the food and tasting the food and sharing it with people in the community. And then there are people in the community who aren 't participating directly in the program, but they 're walking by and they 're tasting, and they 're asking about it and delighting in this idea that this garden is being planted in the community. So it's such a great, well-rounded program.
0: Right. So a uh, little tip I love is a Cherry 100 plant. Um, the Teeny, tiny cherries, they taste like candy. Put those in public areas where kids can nibble on them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go. It's snacking in the garden, and it's the healthiest way to snack, right?
0: Right. Diane Duval with the Minnesota State Horticulture Society. We're in last minute. Um, connection to your website and how people can learn more about you?
1: Uh, www.minhort.org. Um, um, yeah, log on, check out our resources, join um, the Hort Society, um, donate to support our programs. If you care about um, what, the work that we're doing to build vibrant green communities and help people grow, please support
0: us. And um, if you're if you're feeling like you want to listen to more tapes uh, from this, the previous uh, state fairs, you can go on to AM950's YouTube page because I have a couple other videos up there as well. Um, so um, thank you so much, Diane, uh, with the uh, Minnesota State Horticulture Society for joining us, and thank you for listening to AM950's Food Freedom Radio.
1: Thank you for the partnership. We really appreciate
0: it. I have an awesome day and great you weekend. Too.